A select few survivors are tasked with colonizing and repopulating a new Earth. Strong female characters drive the action in this dystopian post-apocalyptic thriller. Georgia, one of several beautiful genetic exotics, dares to break free from the tightly controlled social structures that forces women like her into a life of sexual slavery and forbids all women to bear and raise their own babies. Enter the hatchery. Chapter 19, Memories. Franklin was sulking. Georgia found him stretched out on top of his unmade bed, surrounded by empty bottles of palm ale. He stared at her, trying to keep her face in focus. His head moved in small circles in a vain attempt to capture and merge her floating duplicate images. I see you've been keeping yourself occupied, she frowned, and began to pick up the empty bottles of palm ale that were scattered around the room. He patted the bed and slurred. Come here. Um, no thank you. I'm going to fix myself something to eat. Have you eaten anything? Nah. Georgia didn't offer to make him dinner. He'll be out cold in a minute anyway, she huffed to herself. She opened the refrigerator and rolled her eyes in disgust. It was completely empty except for an open box of crackers and a lone bottle of palm ale. She grabbed the box and took a tentative bite from one of the crackers. It tasted like cardboard. She opened the small cabinet under the sink and, finding the trash can overflowing, smashed the box of stale crackers into the smelly, rotting pile. I thought you were spending the night at Franklin's. Iris tilted her head as Georgia came through the exotic storm door and slogged her way into their shared bathroom without bothering to answer the question. Iris followed her, crossing her arms over her chest and tapping her foot. You guys break up? Tell me. Georgia continued to ignore her roommate, flossed her teeth, pulled her hair back into a ponytail. Okay, I can take a hint. I'll leave you alone, if that's what you really want. Iris tried to hide her disappointment. Georgia brushed past Iris and climbed into her bed, pulling up the covers and turning her back on Iris's side of the room. She needed some time to think about her next move. She wanted to tell someone about Cousin Phil, and so far, Iris knew more than anyone else and had managed to keep any incriminating information to herself. I'll tell you all about it in the morning, she sighed. I need to rest. Georgia was feeling emotionally spent after dealing with Franklin. She couldn't handle Iris-level energy after that. As would be expected, Iris was hovering over Georgia as soon as she showed signs of waking up the next morning. You wake yet? Georgia opened one eye. Hello, Iris, she groaned irritably. Good, you're awake. Now, you can tell me why you were so pissed off last night. Georgia languidly stretched her arms over her head. I wasn't pissed off. Not really, just... Annoyed. 
and exhausted. Sorry. So what happened? You and Franklin get in a fight? No, he was drunk. I just wasn't in the mood for drama. Oh. Iris made herself comfortable, climbing into George's bed. So what happened with your cousin? Did you find out anything more? There's something really wrong with Phil, like mentally wrong. I don't know what to make of it. He had some sort of psychological break right in front of me. Really? Yeah. I got Tiffany to let us into the hatchery. I thought it might help him remember, and he was starting to remember some stuff, and that's when it happened. He... he changed. What do you mean? Iris leaned in closer. Well, first of all, he is definitely a former RT. He knew your number was an exotic number, and he told me that the leaders have their DNA injected into our unfertilized eggs in the lab. Iris twirled a lock of her long black hair around her finger. Huh, well, that's not such a big shock. Nothing but the best for the leaders, right? Of course, the leaders are too high and mighty to court us like everyone else. Right, but then he, like, went away. Not his body, but his personality. It was like another person took over his body. He looked at me like I was a piece of scum and demanded to know why I was calling him Phil. Said his name was Arthur. It was crazy. He was ranting about Sector B, saying really insulting stuff. Then he just passed out. Whoa. He was out for a few seconds, but when he came to, he was Phil again. I don't think he remembered any of it. So, your cousin Phil is really not your cousin, but an RT named Arthur. Huh. Well, I do think we're related. Tiffany confirmed that. And it makes sense that the leaders would want to make good use of his ginger DNA, especially if he did something to lose his position as an RT. You're probably right about that. I don't think he was just a regular RT, though. He had this condescending attitude, and he said the hatchery was, she made quotation marks with her fingers, a subpar facility. I've never heard an RT talk that way. Well, he's not from our sector, you know. Maybe that's how the RTs behave in Sector A. Could be, but if that's the case, I'm glad I'm from Sector B. I'd hate working with people like that. I don't know. Iris rolled her eyes. I think I'd rather work with sarcastic jerks and ditzy morons like Tiffany. She's so annoying. So happy all the time. I want to say, what are you so happy about, bitch? You too stupid to know your life sucks? Iris! Well, it's true. Iris swung her legs off the bed and stood up. We need to get to the bottom of this thing with Cousin Phil. I want to know about Sector A. I want to know what he did to get realigned, don't you? You have to keep pushing him to remember. Georgia grew quiet, looking up at the ceiling. I think Sector A doesn't have a sulfur season. I think there's a lot about Sector A that they don't tell us. Arthur called our sector a stinkhole. 
He wouldn't have said that otherwise. Georgia avoided Franklin's condo during the two weeks before her harvesting appointment. She knew he'd be upset with her, but she wanted to focus all her energy on how to get more information from Arthur while still eliciting Phil's sympathy. She would have to carefully manipulate both personalities to get what she wanted. When she arrived at the RC for harvesting, Tiffany wasn't on duty, but Georgia recognized the RT at the counter from Tiffany's description of her best friend Sophie. She was a blonde like Tiffany, but Georgia quickly learned that that was their only similarity. Sophie was sarcastic, more confident, and definitely more intelligent than Tiffany. Georgia knew better than to try to pull the same liberties with her that she had with Tiffany. This RT would report her without hesitation. Hello, I'm Georgia. Sophie looked up from her laptop for a moment, not so much to acknowledge her as to confirm her identity. Got it. Take a seat over there. I'll be with you in a minute. Georgia sat in a small, straight-back chair just outside the harvesting room and waited. The RT left the reception area, and Georgia strained to listen to a faint conversation going on down the hall. Yes, I know, I couldn't agree more. This is the last opportunity. He's too old and out of shape. Sophie stepped back into the reception area and motioned for Georgia to follow her. The harvesting process was quiet and excruciating. This RT didn't bother to chat or make eye contact with her. She just gave a sharp nod when she was finished harvesting and instructed Georgia to get up and get dressed. Sophie left Georgia alone on the cot, taking the petri dish with her as she entered the lab. Georgia lingered on the cot, poised to listen to the conversation behind the wall. There's nothing here, said the same terse female voice. Tough break, responded a male voice. Georgia continued to listen hard, but the voices trailed away as the two RTs walked out of earshot. She thought she heard the words let go from the deeper voice, but she couldn't be sure. Her heart was pounding so loudly it was running interference with her ability to hear succinctly. Sophie didn't bother to come back to inform Georgia of her harvest status. This RT was all business. Sophie didn't need nor desire the friendship of an exotic. Feeling slighted and worried about Phil, Georgia cleaned herself up and got dressed as instructed and left for the exotic dorm. As she walked down the path, she decided to stop at Franklin's place before going home. Not that she had any real desire to see him, but to get some much-needed information out of him. He, on the other hand, was delighted to see her. Babe, I've missed you. Does this mean you aren't sore at me anymore? Come here. He grabbed her with both hands a little too low on the waist and pulled her tightly against him. She could feel his instant erection. The reason why Franklin was a highly valued donor. Hi, she said, pulling away. I need your help, Franklin. Sure. You know the new donor, Phil? Do you know where he lives? Franklin furled his right eyebrow. Why do you want to know? Don't tell me you're interested in that slob. His angry eyes bore a glimmer of hurt. No, it's not like that. He's a friend, that's all. 
I just need to talk to him somewhere away from the courtship lounge. Do you know where he lives? Franklin frowned. I don't know where he lives, but I can tell you where you can find him. He hangs out at the oasis across from the nutrient station. Give me a minute and I'll get my boots. Thank you, Franklin. She gave him a quick peck on the forehead and rushed out the door, leaving him behind. Wait, Georgia! She was down the path and out of view in seconds. Franklin threw himself on the couch and landed awkwardly, bumping the back of his head on the wall. He lay there rubbing the emerging bump and muttering angrily to himself. If she thinks I'm going to put up with this shit, she's got something coming. He noticed a bottle of palm ale sitting on the coffee table from the night before. It still had a few drops left. Franklin picked it up and, tilting it up to his mouth, took the last swig from the now warm and flat liquid. The warmth and lack of effervescence made the already bitter aftertaste even stronger. He shook his head violently and threw the now-empty bottle across the room, knocking over a framed photo of Georgia and him taken early in their relationship. She loved him then. Before all this Cousin Phil bullshit started, Fuck you, Georgia, he sneered. You and that fat-ass cousin of yours can just go fuck yourselves. Georgia hesitantly stepped through the swinging door of the oasis, a cramped, dark palm ale joint frequented by donors and a few errant RTs. She spotted Phil immediately. He was sitting alone in a large booth, nursing a bottle of palm ale and looking out over the crowd. She moved quietly until she was standing just behind him. Phil? Hi. He looked up, startled. Georgia, what are you doing here? He stood, always the gentleman. Please sit down. Can I buy you a drink? No, thanks. She sat across from him and leaned in. We need to talk, Phil. It's important. She looked around suspiciously, eyeing the half-dozen rowdy RTs who were crowded around the bar, talking loudly and chugging down bottles of palm ale. They were focused on each other, oblivious of the two donors in the darkened booth. Sure. Phil raised his half-finished bottle and drank down the rest in a few gulps. Talk to me. I think you're in trouble, Phil. I overheard the RTs talking in the lab and... It wasn't good. What do you mean? Our pairings weren't successful. Tiffany told me they were only going to give you one more chance, and that was only because I practically begged her to. I think they're going to... I think they're planning to... Reassign me? He cast his eyes down on his belly, pushing against the zipper of his jumpsuit and patted it good-naturedly. Like, <laughs> Can't say I'm surprised. Georgia shook her head. Phil, do you remember what happens to donors when they stop being productive? He closed his eyes in concentration, struggling to recall, then suddenly opened them wide with panic. Termination! We send the aged-out donors to the termination center. We've got to get you someplace safe, Phil. I don't think we have any time to waste. He grabbed her hand. Can you help me? Of course, we can help each other. She looked hard into his eyes. I need you to remember, Arthur. Think, will you? Think hard. Phil's eyes started to roll back in his head, 
but he shook himself back to consciousness. Arthur, that's my name, right? Help me remember. You're from Sector A. You were an RT once, maybe even a supervisor. You did something that forced you over a fence, a wire fence. She grasped his shoulders with both hands. You've got to concentrate, Arthur. Try to remember. He grimaced, forced his eyes shut, and after a few seconds his hands moved up to his temples as if he were desperately trying to hold the memories in place. Why were you trying to climb the fence, Arthur? I... I was running from them. I... I was trying to pass her over. His eyes widened. Oh, my God! No! His head collapsed into his crossed arms on the table. He was sobbing as though his heart was breaking. Georgia nervously looked over the top of the booth to see if Arthur's outburst had caught the attention of the RTs at the bar. She was relieved that their raucous laughter carried on without interruption.